Him. Come on now. Thank you, holy God. Thank you, mighty King. Thank you, wondrous Savior. Thank you, Lord of glory. Thank you, Lord of glory. If you have a Bible this morning, the book of Hebrews. Glad for each one of you that's here this morning. I don't know if you're aware, but we have a Sunday school class before Sunday school, Spanish one, and then we move right into our regular schedule and beginning of services and what have you. So I guess I'm trying to say we are using every available space. And uh, my office doubled. There's a Sunday school class there going right now. And then we had one there, as I said, this morning. So uh, we're growing, and God's blessing, and we're branching out. And I think we're each time justifying more and more that new building and the room that we're going to have. <laughs> All right. In Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. I want to turn your attention in chapter 3. Actually, I'll tell you what. Well, let's look at chapter 3 and let's look at uh, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation or the provoking in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me and they proved me or they tested me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter in to my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you. Everybody said us. Lest there be in any of you or us an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, albeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in 
because of unbelief. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Now I'm going to sweeten this up for you, okay? I feel a little soberness. Hang in. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let us, everybody said us. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2 is very important. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached, or the preached word, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I'd like to sweeten this up for you a little bit by bringing it in a positive way. Chapter 4 and verse 2, where it said, But the word preached did not profit them. And I'd like to help us to know how the word preached can profit us. Big difference there. Nice to get out of the red side of the ledger, which is the lost side, and get into the black where we're turning a profit. Okay? That's what we want to do. I, uh, on the radio, I've heard them, uh, Way FM 88.1 on the FM radio, free plug for them this morning, but uh, Gospel Station. There's a lot on there that I get, I just push the button, I get tired of hearing them talk and all their, as the Jewish said, kibitzing around. I get tired of that. Uh, I just try to time it. When I turn it back on, the music comes on. But they had this one advertisement that they do, and they're trying to get different ones that want to start businesses to use their radio station as a platform to launch off of. And in one part of it, you know, the guy says, well, do you want this? And they said, yeah, I've got that. Well, how about this? Well, I've got that. And well, what about that? Yeah, I got that. And then he said, and then your new customers and clients. And he said, my what? You know, he really got his attention with that one. So you can have a whole lot of things that sound good, but the bottom line is in that business world, if you don't have the clients and the customers, then you're just really beating your gums, aren't you? Just kind of going about doing not a whole lot. So uh, maybe just a whole lot of talk. But what I want us to see here is that that relates to profit, in other words. You get customers, you get people that are interested to be a part of your product, then they're going to purchase. And that's going to put you and your business on the profit side of things because they're listening to what you're saying and they're responding in a positive way and it produces a profit. Well, I am saying to you that God has, according to your Bible, He brought His Word. He brought the good news. And the Bible teaches, unfortunately, and recounts it here in Hebrews chapter 3, recounts it that they, um, 
they were hearing the word of God being preached, they, meaning they, it was being preached to them within their hearing. They should have been going in the ear canal, and which gathers in the sound, and I would say most miraculously, uh, passes through the three smallest bones in your body, the anvil, the stirrup, and the hammer, and the words are carried to your brain, that's assuming you have one. Now, they've been checking for me, I'm not sure if they found it or not, but there's something there they're claiming anyway. And uh, once it gets there, then your brain decodes. So I've often used the, ex the example, if you drop a 10-pound something on your toe, that it, it's the nerves that carry the message or the signal uh, to your brain, and your brain decodes and responds appropriately, ow! You know, because that's the appropriate response when you drop 10 pounds on your toe. Okay. So it's the same thing when words go into your ears, then there are messages that are carried by way of the system that God ordained. In the beginning, God created. And consequently, your brain decodes for you and tells you what you're hearing. It helps to identify, even so much to the point where the Scripture said and made it clear that there would be those that would have this word come and but unfortunately it didn't profit them because when they heard it they didn't believe it they didn't believe it and when it, they didn't believe it then that's where it said it didn't profit them I think I've told you before that the difference between heaven and hell one of the differences between heaven and hell is in heaven will be believers and in hell will be unbelievers. And that's exactly what the world is being divided up into now. Believers and unbelievers. The believers hear the word of God. It goes into the auditory system up to the brain and the brain decodes it, and faith, faith, everybody's given the measure of faith. And if you'll use, it's been said, what God has given you, and you're listening, well, along with that, that's how faith increases. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. So the more you hear it, more you come to church, more you're reading the, reading your Bible, the more that you're praying, the more that you're interacting and involved with God's system and God's way of doing things. Now you can do a lot of things, natural things, that your our world is very interested in the natural, and they do things to enhance and to build up the natural. Uh, but none of those things are going to get you to heaven. Not one of them is going to get you to heaven. It's the spiritual 
things. The spiritual realm that's going to get us to heaven. And so we have to get faith in the spiritual things. We've got to use our God-given faith and, in, and invest it in the spiritual things. And if you have faith in the spiritual things, then you're going to believe in those spiritual things. And in believing in those spiritual things, then the word preached, the preached word is going to profit you. Okay, now, when I first came to the church house where the body of Christ, the people, of the believing body of people was gathered together, I didn't know anything. I've often told if you'd have told me to turn to the second book of Hezekiah, I would have started looking for it. Now, there is no second book of Hezekiah, and there's not even a first book of Hezekiah. But I, I wouldn't have known that because I didn't know anything about the Bible. Never had read it. But as I assembled myself together, as the Bible teaches to do, that I begin to hear, and in hearing my faith begin to grow, the seed of faith that God gave me and gives to everybody was being watered, and it began to grow. And it got me to the place to where when the word preached, told me to repent, as well as my pastor, that I did that. I did that because I had faith in what was being said to me. Now, it wouldn't have been too much earlier than that, and I'd have been told, and had been told, spiritual things. And I just, nah, I don't want none of that. Well, that's because I was natural, and I wasn't believing. I wasn't using my God-given faith. I wasn't using what I had. Truth of the matter was, I wasn't even aware that I had any faith, any belief. I didn't know I had that button. <laughs> didn't know I had that chip, you know. And so, that, that but now, I was, uh, if you please, downloading that software. And it was being placed into me, into my heart. Remember, this natural heart is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your seat of your thoughts and your intellect and your emotions. That's your biblical heart. That's your spiritual heart. And you're to love God with that, with all of your heart. Okay? You're to love Him. And so, you start, faith starts building as you're listening to that Word of God. And it starts putting you on the prophet side of the ledger. Another way of saying it, it's doing you good. Okay? It's helping you. It's blessing you. It's encouraging you. It's going to do many wonderful things for you. First and foremost, it's going to give you salvation. And that is the priority, to be delivered from sin, to be saved from sin. Everybody said amen. A nature thing years ago I saw, and, uh, you know, you go to school and they would show you, in those days, uh, 16 millimeter reel-to-reel deals, or you'd go to the museum and they would have pictures and do things. Well, this one was of a, a lion, 
and a female lion. And she got into a, attacked by a huge bow constrictor. Giant, you know, 20 feet long and weighing several hundred pounds and very thick around. And uh, they begin to wrestle. And of course, the snake wanted to eat the lion for lunch, and the lion, I don't know if he had any appetite for the snake, but he sure wanted to get out of the being wrapped up and being squeezed, and ho hopefully not to death, by that snake. And that's what they do. You know, we have Burmese pythons down in the Everglades, and they're destroying the ecology. They're eating everything within sight, wildlife-wise. And they can, they can eat an alligator. Sometimes the alligator wins because sometimes he's able to claw his way out from the inside of that snake. But sometimes not. And uh, that's what happened to the, when I saw it, this lioness and the snake was coiling around it and they have all these tremendous internal muscles and squeezing and squeezing. They're going to squeeze the life out of that lioness. But she had her defenses and she kept wrestling and fighting. She would jump up and pound on the ground and wrestle around and wiggle around and try to get away. And, and finally, she broke the grip. She got away. And she went away to a, a stream or a river and she went in there and bathed and drank and refreshed herself and then moved on into the jungle. She was able to escape. She was able to escape the clutches. And your Bible talked here about the deceitfulness of sin. And that for you not to get hard in your heart, for you not to, in other words, you know, the Bible talks about that old serpent, that snake, and that Satan is likened unto that. And how that he wants to wrap around your heart, your thinking apparatus, your believing apparatus. He wants to wrap, and he wants to squeeze the faith out of you, the life out of you. And he wants to cause you to do things that you'll provoke God, that you'll make God angry. And believe me, you don't want to do that. That's what these folks did. That's recounted here in this book of Hebrews. In teaching the New Testament believers and trying to help them to maintain their level of faith and believing in God from day to day. And he knew that, you know, the devil doesn't die. Evil spirits don't die. When they're casted out, they go about walking in dry places. And then they, they come back. And they bring others with them. They want to re-enter where they were casted out of. God does a great work in your life when He delivers you from sin. That is, He saves you, delivers you from sin. Now, if that lioness, if you could picture yourself as the lion or the lioness, and Satan, the snake, has you wrapped up, and that you're being told that you can be saved. 
but you don't have faith, you're not believing, you're not exercising your faith, then the enemy is coiling and tensing his muscles and squeezing life out of you, getting you involved, wrapped up in so many different things in life. It's just squeezing faith and life out of you. And, you know, it's not going to do any good if God's word is telling you and you're not believing it or if you just get religion and religion is doesn't deliver you as the Bible said delivered teaches saves you from sin saves the lioness or the lion from the snake not going to do me any good if I'm still wrapped up in the snake and having the life squeezed out of me. I've got to be delivered from the snake, from what's squeezing me to death, what's destroying me. Got to be saved from that. Religion can't do that. Religion is natural. It has no power. It's not able to save. Okay. God said in his word to receive the Holy Ghost, to be, in other words, to be born again of the Spirit. It's a spiritual experience. You've got to be born again. You were born once and you came into this natural world by a natural process. Now there's a spiritual process that will birth you and rebirth you into the spiritual realm, the church, the kingdom of God. And in so doing, you're saved from sin. You're delivered from the serpent. You're pulled out, another example is, of the fire. And so... I've illustrated many times if your car goes into the canal and it begins to sink uh, and you're screaming for help and we look at you and you say, oh, okay, yeah, fine, come on, we, come on out of there, yeah, okay. And you're still sinking and glug, 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 you're drowning, you know, no good there. So, but fortunately we don't have religion, we have salvation. And Jesus' word said, after that, you get this gift of the Holy Ghost. You receive power. Power. And so he has given us power over all the power of the enemy, the Scripture teaches. So we can pull you out of the canal. We can pull you out of your car that bursts into flames. Brother Kennedy told that driving to the rally uh, to Fort Myers here last month, I guess it was, and how that they witnessed a car get in a wreck and it flipped and it went through the median and went over the guardrail and burst into flames. What a terrible sight that they witnessed going to the rally. So I'm saying to you that if we're going to, our life can get in a wreck, sure it can, and we can find ourselves being tossed to and fro and tumbling and bursting into flames. We need to be delivered from that. We need to be pulled out of that fiery wreck. We need to be pulled out of that which is destroying us. And it's going to come by hearing the Word that profits you. The Word gives you the salvation. The Word gives you the knowledge of the salvation. The Word gives you the mighty arm, or figuratively speaking, it means the authority of God to come into your life and cast out the devil to deliver you from sin and darkness. You've got to pay attention to it. You've got to listen to it. 
you got to believe it. you got to have faith in it. Okay? If you, you don't want to find yourself what, at least part of what Psalm said, the psalmist said, the sweet psalmist of Israel, how that he said about blessed is that individual, that person that doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. That they're, they're not scorning what the word is preached is saying. They're not fighting it with their mind. They're not belittling it. They're not putting it down. They're not making fun of it. They're not disrespecting it. But instead, the word is their delight. They want that word. They, that's their daily bread. They're taking it in. That's the water of life. And that, that makes that person to become like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. That's going to bring forth his fruit in his season. And that whatsoever that individual does is going to prosper. Imagine that. That whatever you do is going to prosper. That God has a way of making things prosper. You look back and you say, how did, how did my life get so blessed? How did so many good things happen? It's, it's the Lord. It's your faith in Him. That God made it happen. And that it's not something natural. It's not because you're oh so smart, or oh so good looking, or oh so this or oh so that. It's because of God. It's because of His great salvation. It's because of your faith in His salvation. Your faith in His salvation. How is it written about the man that was at the church house steps and had been placed there for over 40 years? 40 years plus. Begging for money. No doubt when he was a child, they placed him there and used him to get the household money. And then as he got older, then he went, he was brought there so he could get the money for himself because he was older and his needs became greater. And uh, as Peter and John came and they prayed for him, they took him by the hand and they raised him up in the name of Jesus Christ. The man's faith, a little grain, you know, the Bible said, you could sit there and say, oh, I have a whole lot of faith. It didn't say that. It said if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds, but yet it's also the sturdiest and the hardiest of seeds. And so his faith, he believed, believed what Peter said. Silver and gold have I none. And if I did, they wouldn't do you no good anyhow. But such as I have, I'm given to you. And he pulled him up in the name of Jesus Christ. The man was healed. It was one of those instantaneous things that took place. And the man leaped to his feet. He began to praise God. That's a natural. Oh, that's a bad word. Let me say it this way. That's a supernatural response to a spiritual experience. And that's why when you get the Holy Ghost sent forth into your heart, 
God's Spirit is sent forth into your heart. That's why you'll begin to speak forth in another language as His Spirit gives you the ability to do so. Because what you're doing is Romans 10 and 9 and 10. That's when you begin to confess Him with your mouth. Yes, that's when it happens because He sends forth. See, the world and religion, they want to take Romans chapter 10 and they want to do what they always do, bring to you something natural. Now, you just take Christ as your personal Savior. Just accept Him as, just say, I confess Him as my Savior. That's not what Romans chapter 10 is teaching. It's teaching people that already got the experience of the gift of the Holy Ghost and giving them a deeper knowledge of what God did for them, what God caused to happen in their heart. He sent His Spirit into their heart. And when He did, they spake out in another language, one that they did not know naturally. Okay? One that they did not know naturally. And in so doing, they were praising God. And as I said, that's the supernatural response to a spiritual experience. You praise God. Now, sometimes we praise God in our native language. Okay? And we'll, we'll just say, I praise you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And things of that nature. Everybody said amen. And then... Romans chapter 8 tells you that the Spirit, sometimes we don't know how to praise God. Our words fall short. That's what it really means. Our words fall, fall short. You just can't say it. I just can't express it. But it's said that the Spirit that we have, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, that it helps us in our shortcomings, our what's termed weaknesses our inabilities, our falling short. And we read that in Hebrews, lest any of us should fall short. And it's the Spirit of God helps us. The gift of the Holy Ghost that He's given to us. That it helps us. And it begins to make intercession for us with words that cannot be uttered. That cannot be uttered. So there's a praise that comes from God initially when we receive the Holy Ghost. Okay? I can say Gloria Dios, but I happen to know that. So I, I did that. That's natural. And there's nothing wrong with me doing that. Just as I would say glory to God. Okay? Alright. And, uh, so, and I, I uh, was taught Chinese and uh, how to say, God bless you. Sentai po yani. Took me a long time to learn that one. And uh, I'm going to try to learn how an India, Indian to how to say, uh, God bless you. I'm working on it. I, uh, I can say, hap keso ho, which means, how are you? <laughs> and they told me how to say, I'm fine, but I haven't mastered that yet. And it's coming slowly. But I, I'm learning these things. That's natural. But he's telling you here that when words fail, when vocabulary fails, 
and you have the Holy Ghost, that the Spirit of the Holy Ghost in you will help you. And there's going to come forth praise in another language. Groanings that cannot be uttered. It's beyond your knowledge. After all, 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, in teaching to the church, teaching to people that have the gift of the Holy Ghost, this experience, telling them, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Well, tongues are languages of men. Ah, that's one thing, okay? But how about the languages of angels? I mean, we don't have a, what do you say, in one place of which we cannot now speak particularly. <laughs> All right. So what kind of language do angels communicate in? And what kind of language do they talk to God in? Suppose Leviathan or behemoth of Job writings. Suppose it was a rhinoceros. Okay. Go further back. Suppose it was a, a dinosaur. Suppose it was T-Rex. Fierce. And the Lord said, you know, because Job, I was afraid Job opened his mouth a little too much. And God bless him. God bless him. We do get in anguish sometimes, don't we? And, uh, and the kids are going to illustrate that tonight. They're going to do the mime, and they're going to do it right tonight. I want to make that clear. And I uh, wasn't too happy Friday night with that. I guess you got that idea. Okay, but anyway, supposing that T-Rex, and Job opened his mouth a little too much, and in his anguish, in his pain, in his not understanding what was going on. And he, you know, God did say that Satan provoked him to go against Job, Job for no cause. <laughs> so it's no wonder Job was like, what, what? <laughs> you know, all right. So, um, but still, God was going to give Job his comeuppance, if you please. And so God got him by the ear, and, and in talking to him, he said, Hey, who are you to darken counsel without knowledge? And he said, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And boy, God just began to lay it on him. To the point that Job covered his mouth and said, I spoke once, I spoke twice. He said, I'm not saying another word. Oh, it's, God has a way of getting through to us, let me tell you. He has a way. And uh, so, in speaking of, for now, T-Rex, and you know, you you and I are thinking, well, I want nothing to do with T-Rex, especially if he's hungry. I don't want to, don't want to be anywhere near that dude. And uh, should he still be around somewhere? And, uh, but God said, to Job, he said, does he, does he talk to you when he's not feeling so good or something's on his mind? He's having a rough day? Does, does, he, does he bring his complaint to you? Does he talk to you? He even used the word nestlings. Hmm. What kind of language does T-Rex talk? 
The only one I know is the one where he roars real bad, right? <laughs> I understand that one. <laughs> oh, brother. Well, I'm simply saying, church family, that praise accommodates or accompanies an experience with God. You get filled with the Holy Ghost, He's going to send His Spirit into your heart, and you're going to speak. And you, it's going to be praise. You're going to praise God. That's what it is. It's just not going to be, it's going to be your brain, it's going to be your tongue and your lips and your muscles, but God's going to use them. And God is going to do the talking. It's a supernatural experience. And uh, when God supernaturally healed Brother Small back there in the extreme right-hand corner, uh, praise has come out of that. Praise accompanies that, accommodates that. It, it just supernaturally follows it, you know, like the rising of the sun with the day coming, you know. It just comes with it. It's going to be there. It's going to be praise. And if there's not, if there's not, then you got to go back to the root, you know. You got to ask yourself, does this person really have the Holy Ghost? Did they ever really get the Holy Ghost? You know, people who curse and lie and cheat and steal, still, and that they are chasing after every kind of thing that's natural in this life, and they're paying attention to that and profiting, as one writer said, the Apostle Paul said, bodily exercise. And boy, we've got a world that's very preoccupied with body that bodily exercise profiteth little. But the Scripture also teaches about spiritual side of things and that being exercised. And that is what we want to pay attention to. That profits much. That'll bring you life eternal. That will bring you healing when you're sick. Or your child, when your child's sick. That will bring all manner of blessings. What did it say in Psalmist? All manner of store will be in your storehouse. That your daughters will grow up to be like the polished marble of a palace cornerstone. That your sons will grow up to be tall fruitful trees. Oh, friends, that's what will come with that. The Word, let it be said of us that the Word did profit us. The Word did profit us. Let us not live a life where we're provoking God. Tom, come up here. I witnessed. I, I witnessed. <laughs> One night, we were out at the building here, <clears throat> and uh, Marvin was feeling brave, and two or three others, and they kept on provoking Tom. 
They just kept on. I was standing there watching. And they surrounded them. Okay, Trump, right? And so I, I, I was like, you guys aren't very smart. And Tom, he finally said, all right. He said, come on. Any one of you right now. Finally, he said, all of you. Same time, I don't care. And you know, they started backing away. They were hunting a place to sit down. They didn't want any part of Tom right then. And they never truly did. They were just thought they were having a little fun that night. But they crossed the line, and that's kind of what I told you about Job. He crossed the line a little bit there. <laughs> and, uh, but these folks, from the Old Testament example given to us, recounted here in Hebrews, they provoked God. They just kept on. Just kept on. Provoking him, provoking him, provoking him. Until God swear in his wrath. And he said, you're not coming in. Now you know, you just don't want to push God that far. And how did David pray? He said, no, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Solomon in the Proverbs. He said, rebuke me not in thy hot displeasure. Chasten me not in thy wrath. <laughs> Don't be angry with me, God. You ever read in your Bible about Good to find out what makes God angry so that you don't do it. The Bible teaches that uh, excuses, individual was given five talents. In those days, a talent was a, a wedge of silver or gold. And a, a wedge of gold in those days was worth about $2,500. And he was given five of them, so that's $10,000. said, go to work with it. See what you can do. And then another one was given three. And another one was given one. Well, there, as will happen, there will come a day of accounting. That day came, and the guy with five said, I've made five more. I, I got 10,000 and I made 10,000 more. And the Lord said, good and faithful servant. I will now make you ruler of twice as much. Good deal. You know, first, you've got to be able to be trusted with a little before God's going to trust you with much. And uh, then the next one comes and same thing given, doubled it, good and faithful servant. God's happy with him. God blesses him. And then we've got the one that was given one talent, $2,500. Okay, what'd you do with it? He said, well, you know, I knew. Now right there, he showed us what he didn't know. I knew that you were a hard 
and an austere businessman. And that, and that made me afraid. So I, I took what you gave me. And I dug a hole in the earth. And I buried it. And the Lord said, you wicked and excuse-making servant. The Bible used the term angry. He made God angry. He said, you're wicked and you're excuse-making. He said, at least you could have taken my money and put it in the bank and let it be put in an interest-bearing account where it would have made some interest at least. You, you buried it in the earth. And it didn't, it didn't accrue any interest. It didn't appreciate, it depreciated. Let's not make God angry. We have this treasure. When you get repentant of your sins, we baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And they're forgiven, sent away, remembered no more. We'll baptize you the only way the Bible teaches to be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ. By full immersion. It's a burial. We're going to bury your old person, your old man. And we're going to bring you up. You'll be a new person, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the heavens will be open and then you can be filled with the free gift of the Holy Ghost. That places you, that experience places you. That's the one baptism. Places you in the body of Christ. The church. Okay? And that taking place, then God has given you, it terms it, this treasure in an earthen vessel. And you then are to go forth, be trained and taught, Romans the Revelation of your Bible, on how to stay saved and how to save others. You get about your father's business, Luke 2.49. And as you do that, then... You're learning, you're growing, grace and knowledge. You're exercising your spiritual senses. You're involved in the things that count and matter and profit much. And in doing that, you're going to help save others. And as you are about God's business and growing and exercising your spiritual senses, then you're going to have a, live a life filled with praise. It's going to accompany the constant experience that you will experience being in the church. As the man, he leaped and he shouted and he danced and he praised and he worshiped God. And they looked at him just as we can look at Brother Small and others and say this individual that now stands here before you whole, it's because of the name of Jesus Christ upon whom this favor, this grace of healing has been showed. Well, God shows grace and favor on you and your life and, and then your family when you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And as you begin to grow in grace and knowledge, when you come to church, I thought of how many family members were here Friday night to the uh, graduation and awards night. How many were here?
and that they don't have this experience. But you do. And what you show them, the life that God has given you, the treasure in the earthen vessel, how that your life, your spiritual senses have been exercised, and you're bulging with spiritual muscles, your spiritual physique, because you don't drink anymore. You don't do drugs anymore. As that serpent came out of the fire and attacked the apostle, who had just come through a terrible storm and had to swim to shore and got there, which is a very exhausting uh, experience, and having got to shore, he begins to build a fire, getting everything ready, because it was rain and it was cold, and they were in a strange place. And the people of that place were looking at them. Who are these crazy people that just came ashore? Ragged people. Who are they? What are they doing? And they're watching Paul build a fire, and out of the fire comes a venomous snake filled with poison. And they knew that snake, and they were watching and they saw it bite him and latch onto him. And they just shook it off. And he felt no harm. And out of one side of their mouth was coming the sentence this man is a murderer. Vengeance. Vengeance tolerated him, suffered him to escape the sea, the storm, the shipwreck, drowning. But now, he gets here and he must really be a bad sinner and a bad dude because now he's attacked by a snake. The worst one in, in the whole country has latched onto him. You know, basically there's four snakes here that are poisonous and will kill you. The rattlesnake, the pygmy rattlesnake, the cottonmouth moccasin. I forgot what number four is. Well, there's another one. Maybe you know. But uh, that's what they say. And uh, But these guys knew. They knew. And this snake, Brother Wicker, you probably know. <laughs> this snake and this country was uh, whatever one it was that came out of that, among that firewood and latched onto Paul. And they said, man, he got away from the sea, but he did. he's not going to get away from the snake. And man, they set their Rolexes they looked at their sundials and they, they were waiting. They were counting down 15 minutes, 13 minutes. And the Bible said they looked for him to fall down dead. Only thing is he didn't. Only thing is he didn't. And you know what it did? Them just witnessing the miraculous power and strength in a man who's physical was not very much right then. Matter of fact, Paul was described as being of contemptible speech and pretty much not of any great stature. There was nothing physical about him that would wow anybody. But physical wasn't going to help anyway. Because that goes into your bloodstream, friend. And he shook it off. 
He feels no harm. And you know what Paul was doing. He was just thanking God and kept on building the fire. And they had a change of heart. The words died on their lips. What a bad murderer he was and must have been. Now, in mid-stride, just like you and I, in mid-stride, in mid-life, we make this about turn. We make this repentance. And they said, what a life this guy has and is. He must be a God. That's it. He must be a God. <laughs> this is some dude. Man, you talk about strong. Talk about muscles they've never seen or witnessed strength from before. This guy's got an inner strength, an inner man. And you know what? The next thing that followed was they asked him to come see about their chief who was sick, dying. The Bible described it as a bloody flux. So I guess from, like Job, from head to toe he had bloody boils or something, tumors, something. And uh, so Paul does what? Exercise. Spiritual senses. Heart of the church. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Strong in faith. Not staggering at the promises of God. Believing that God is able to do what He promised. Believers will hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Lord is our God and He's our healer. And that, at the name of Jesus Christ, Paul laid hands on this man and God healed him. And a healing campaign broke out. You know, sometimes you've got to be bit by the snake and shake him off and persevere to see the move of God that He has planned. So, don't be a part of those that provoke. Don't be a part of those that don't profit from the Word of God. Don't be a part of those that God said, you're not coming in. I'm swearing it in my breath. You're not coming in. He said, Lest therefore, let us therefore fear. Let us respect, lest a promise being left us of entering into the rest. The Holy Ghost is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And then, but you know, it said unto us was the, plus he said, lest any of you should seem to come short of it. He said, for unto us was the gospel preached. We have no excuse. The gospel has been preached. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, as well as unto them. They had it. We have it. Okay? But the word preached did not profit them. It did not profit them. Now that's a category we don't want to place ourselves in. So we got to exercise. 
we got to get ourselves in the dojo, in the gym. We got to remember to assemble ourselves together. That's what the Bible teaches. And so much the more, not less, but so much the more. We don't need less church services. We need more church services. I'm going to tell you what, when I came into church, and I don't know that I was at the height of anything, and there's those here today could tell you, but when I came in, we had revival week after week after week after week after week, and sometimes we didn't even have Saturday nights off. Sometimes it was seven, well, actually eight services a week because you had two on Sunday. And that's the truth. And the evangelist would preach. Holy Ghost, move. Oh, yeah. But society and the whole thing has taken a turn to where we don't seem to be able to, in the natural run of things, the normal course of things, be able to do that. Quite like that anymore. But we do have revival services. And we do want to have and continue to have Holy Ghost power pack services. That's why so much the more every service becomes more and more important because life has sped up so much. Demands have become so great on everybody and on families. You know, I told my wife they they always want to have a march or they have want to have some kind of natural thing and to try to give the answers to the problems let's just say in the Tri-City area. The same problems we have here, they have everywhere. Everywhere. And usually more because they have greater population. We have a small population in the Tri-City area. We barely make 30,000 between all of us out here. And uh, that's including sand cut. <laughs> you with me, Alice? That's including sand cut. And Bean City. Alright? Okay. So, uh, but marches and little meetings in parks and whatever, even town council, city hall meetings, nothing changes. And it's not going to change anything. You know what's going to change? What I'm telling you. Faith in God's Word. And I mean in His Word subject matter. Faith in repentance. Faith in water baptism in Jesus' name. Faith in receiving the Holy Ghost. Faith in God speaking, sending His Spirit into your heart, speaking through you as His Spirit gives the utterance. Faith in Romans to Revelation. Faith in the way God does business. And then, what God's going to do, He's going to raise up and He's going to make families. And nothing that marches and barbecues and other things is going to do will ever be able to do what a Holy Ghost family unit can do. Never be able to bring to people what a Holy Ghost family will bring. Why do you think the devil is fighting the family unit so much? Okay? First and foremost, and that's what you've got to fight for. That's why if you're the man, you've got to fight for. And if 
if, if there's no man around, then the woman has to step up and fight for it. And if not that, then we're, we're going to have grandma. But we're going to fight. We're going to fight. And, and if, you, if you grow up and growing up, and you don't have a mother or a father, well, just remember one. You do. You have senior pastor and senior sister. And you have a church family. Remember that. Remember that. You do have that. And we, we do care about you. And we do believe in you. And we do love you. And, uh, and God wants to bring you to the place where you're on the prophet side of things. Where things are going to be good in your life. And work out in your life. And you'll be a fruitful tree. And, and bring forth much fruit. Okay? Unto eternal life. So let's get to the place where the word profits us. Don't let it be said, as it was of them, that the word did not profit them. That's a terrible bottom line. Terrible bottom line. That bottom line is in the red. And that red translates to hell. And how did Jesus say? He said, how shall you escape the damnation of hell? By having faith and belief in what he's saying. That's how. That's how. When this word brings to you an experience that you're not provoking God. Not provoking God. Fathers, I preach to you because you're strong. And you've got to help us save your children. Okay? If everything else is lost, Help us save your children. Help us bring it to the next generation. And help us to reap a harvest. Be a part. Be a participator. When church is on, you're there. And I've had told many of the men come in in their work clothes. At least you're here. I don't care. I remember going to church. I remember preaching in dirty, concrete, splattered clothes and ripped clothes. Brother Phil, stand up and preach two minutes. Friend, you better do it. You weren't self-conscious about what your clothes looked like. The only thing you were thinking about right then was opening your mouth and God filling it. <laughs> That's what you were thinking about right about then, let me tell you. And uh, being obedient. Well, I'm saying, just be here. And be here in body, soul, mind, and spirit. Be here. Okay. Let the word profit you. Be in the prayer room. Get that Bible out at home and read it. And read it with your children. Sing those songs. I told Sister Williams, I said, I, I, Michael's been playing a drum since he was a year and a half. And we even have video evidence of that. And I'm talking about with a beat. And I remember when he uh, was sitting on Senior Sister Fell's lap and uh, as a baby, and they would clap, and he would clap, and he would clap on beat. Well, I'm saying, I said, girl, I want him speaking three languages or four or five. I want him playing the drums, yeah, but I want him on the piano too. Let's communicate, church family, to our children. You have good things to give to them. 
And you do it by, most especially by way of your example. By way of your example. And then it's going to profit. It's going to bring forth a profit. Everybody said praise the Lord. So I wanted to read, lest us therefore, let us therefore respect this promise that's left to us of entering in. That we will enter in. We won't come short, we'll enter in. And that will happen because the gospel that's preached unto us, that the word preached profited us. Okay? Because it's mixed with faith in them that hear it. We're mixing it with faith. Let's stand together. I have to tell you that uh, one time somebody made a, whether it was a pie or a cake, and they they didn't uh, they didn't put in a very essential ingredient ingredient. And so when they realized, they took the pie and they cut it open and they poured in the ingredient, covered it back and put it in the freezer. Yeah. That don't work too good. That's almost as bad as the woman that made a pinto bean pie. Yeah. Well, it's also like the one where in your Bible they brought a big pot and they told the prophet there's death in the pot. Everybody that eats this is dying. And so he cut down a tree and he put it in the pot and uh, the missing ingredient and God took care of it or the plant and God took care of it. We've got to have the necessary, essential ingredients so that there'll be life in the pot, not death. Everybody said amen. amen. You've got to be born again, Jesus said, of water and of the Spirit. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said amen. amen. And then you must grow, grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment. And worship the Lord, lifting our hearts with our hands. The Word of God preached to us, it will profit. It will profit. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't do that. 